the American League Championship. I don't believe it. It just continues. My oh High fly ball into right field. She is gone. The drives one. Yeah, we're back. It's the FSS Plus Podcast, FutureStarsSeries.com. Jason Churchill with Casey Bellin. Hey, we fired Joe Doyle this morning. Now, don't freak out. We're going to hire him back next week. But that guy, we had to get that guy out of here. Like, I'm just tired of Joe's garbage. So he's off this week. He's gone. We fired him. We'll rehire him on, like, I don't know, Wednesday of next week. And we'll see if we can get a, another podcast hour out of him next week. But for now... Casey Bellin, my man, Jason Churchill with you, FSS Plus. We're going to have a little fun talking about, uh, well, baseball, you know, in general, because that's kind of what we do here. But uh, lots going on and, and lots to talk about in such a short amount of time. But I, I think the the low-hanging fruit here is is the way to go today. So that's exactly what we're going to do on this episode. Uh, Casey, we got a flurry there uh, late in the winter meetings, the final day of the winter meetings. It starts off with the the ho-hum rule five draft that really nobody cares about. But uh, we got a couple of things done. And the big one being the Juan Soto deal heading from the Padres to the Yankees for five players, including four pitchers. Uh, just really quick, what stood out most about the final details of that deal for you? Uh, including the aftermath. Yeah, I think I think what stands out most is is Brian Cashman doing this with the investment that Juan Soto was going to be there long term or short term, and I think that he believes and is planning on Juan Soto being there in the short term. Right? You don't trade um, Michael King plus. Mm-hmm. Because I because I think that if the if the Yankees knew that Juan Soto was going to be there long term, and and ultimately I think if the Padres knew that the Yankees were going to be able to sign Juan Soto short term, they would have gotten more. They would have gotten more than what they got. Mm-hmm. So if no you question. think there's no question about that, right? It's, so from my standpoint, this is a short term move for the Yankees, um, and, and and I think that. In terms of implications on the market, right? It really doesn't have any because what other player on the market is there like in trade or FA uh, free agency? Is there on the bat side like Juan Soto? Uh, not at that level, but I think uh, it's it's kind of a trickle down. It's okay now that Juan Soto's out of the way, the teams that wanted to be in on Soto but weren't because it was pretty clear the Yankees and the Padres. Maybe they can move on to Cody Bellinger now. Maybe they can move on to uh, Matt Chapman now. Maybe they can move on to you know other trade you know ideas now. Now that that's out of the way, um, but you're right. I think Otani is is certainly holding up the uh, the market a little bit because the teams that are in on Otani probably want to make sure they're not going to get him before they do other large things. Like if there's clubs out there that are in on Blake Snell, uh, for example. Um, or uh, or Yamamoto, maybe it's one or the other and not both. So they're kind of sitting around and waiting. But yeah, I, th- I think the Juan Soto thing, uh, I think I do think there will be a trickle down. I think we're going to see Cody Bellinger sign in the next week. 
because we've just heard so little about him up to now. But I think he's going to be done. His free agency is going to be over in a week because uh, now the Juan Soto thing is out of the way. Um, and I think we're going to start seeing more trades too. I really do for bats. Um, Otani's kind of on a different level. You, you can uh, uh, you can make trades. It's a little different than free agency. You can make trades for hitters and still bring in Otani and still make it work since those trades aren't going to impact your payroll like Cody Bellinger would, like Otani is going to. So I do think we're going to see that sort of a kind of a trickle down, but you're right. Juan Soto was the guy like, like that was the best bat on the market. Uh, Otani is uh, uh, the best bat on the market now. And you can say Otani's better than Soto. I will disagree with you, but um, uh, being the two way star that he is, is what makes him so, uh, so polarizing as a player. But yeah, the, the thing for me with that deal is, uh, and, and that's a good point, Casey, like what is Cashman thinking here? Like what's the, it's, it looks to me, like Brian Cashman's trying to save his job. That's what it looks like to me. Uh, and I'm not suggesting they gave up way too much for Juan Soto because I don't believe they did. I think he actually negotiated a pretty good deal to pull in Juan Soto. Michael King is a number four starter with maybe a chance to be a three, and he's 28 years old. Uh, they gave up Brito, Vasquez, Thorpe, Fitz, Judas, and Weissert to get one year of Alex Verdugo and one year of Juan Soto. That farm system wasn't great to begin with when it comes to arms. So this is something that you've mentioned before, Casey, right, right as that deal was going down and we started to hear that. And, and, and if I remember correctly, here's what you said in Slack. They didn't even address the biggest issue. And, and I agree with you. And I'm guessing what you meant was the biggest issue is that pitching staff. Like they traded from it, including King and Brito and some young guys that might've been able to help this year. But they didn't add to it. It's Garrett Cole and pray for rain, essentially, right now. And that's starting rotation. Um, hoping Carlos Rodon is healthy, for example. Uh, so I'm with you there. But it really looks like Cashman was like, screw it. Let's just let's just gut the farm system to some level and and bring in some of these impact guys. And, and it sounds like a job-saving move to me. That's what it looks like to me. And I think we're going to see more. I think we're going to see them spend money. I think we're going to see one more significant trade from the New York Yankees. I think they'll end up with a couple of pretty good pitchers. I got to think Blake Snell and Jordan Montgomery uh, are involved. I got to think uh, Yamamoto is their number one priority. Uh, I'm not sure you know, if they were able to engage with Shohei Otani, but I'm sure they'd like to. Um, but I think that's where Cashman is right now. And for me, that's kind of the, the fallout from that is, boy, it really seems to me like Cashman's thinking 2024 has to go really well, or I'm not even going to be here. And that, that's a lot of, that, that's a lot of arm. Let me read those arms again. Brito, King, Vasquez, Thorpe, Fitz, Judas, Weissert. So King is 28 years old. The rest of them are essentially prospect level guys, even though a couple of them have some major league experience. I think Weissert is like 28 years old as well, but the rest of the, those guys are some of the top arms in that system. And they sent them to Boston and San Diego. I just think it's really weird for, for an organization. I don't want to say weird isn't bad, but it's aggressive for an organization and, and to, to do that. And that tells me <laughs> Cashman wants to be here in 2025. So 2024, has to go well. Yeah, that was a uh, that was a really interesting uh, set of deals the New York Yankees made. The yeah, Verdugo and, and, one I don't really love, to be honest with you. But they kind of had to do it. And let me add to that to that note about the the Yankees rotation, right? Because you mentioned they've got Garrett Cole at the pinnacle, right? Mm -hmm. They obviously do. And then what? Okay, 
Well, they got it. Yeah, they're hoping Rodon is healthy. They're hoping Rodon is healthy, and then you have Nestor, Nestor Cortez, mm-hmm. right? Clark Schmidt, and then and then at the end of the year, and we don't know what Clark Schmidt is either, and, and we, we don't really know, what don't know what he is. And we really don't know what you're going to get out of Cortez. He seems like a quality pitcher, but is he a is he a really good five? Is is he a four? Is he a three? We really don't know. But we know he's not a one or a two. And then and then to end the year, they had Yuendris Gomez, mm-hmm. Clayton Beater, and Luis Gill. Yeah, and those three might belong in the bullpen. So it's a good. So point. you might have, let's say at best three. No, no. Mm-hmm. Let's say at best four of the five rotation pieces taken care of. And that's mm-hmm. if Rodon is healthy. That's if you believe that Cortez is going to be a mid-rotation piece, at least mm-hmm. at three. If Schmidt is going to be um, MOE worthy, let's sure. just say. Right? Because they don't know that. And I think it, in, talking about what they have now, that might be the biggest factor. Just considering what they have right now, Clark Schmidt might be the biggest factor. Now, he wasn't bad last year through strikes, didn't miss a lot of bats, but he made, I think, 32 starts, I think, and covered almost 160 innings, I believe. He was okay. He was he was probably not quite league average good, but there were enough signs in his like first full year in rotation that you like that. But that's still a back-end guy, right? Like You can't count on Clark Schmidt to be anything but a four or a five at this point. So I would be f- absolutely floored if they don't bring in two mid-rotation or better starters. That's why I think the Montgomery's and the Snells are in play. Um, and, uh, and obviously Yamamoto is the guy they want to get. If they're able to go grab Yamamoto and pair him with, uh, uh, Garrett Cole at the top, um, then they can go out and just, you know, maybe get that solid four that's out there and bring in a Marcus Stroman, bring in a Sean Mania, bring in a, uh, you know, someone like that. And then they need some depth too, somebody who can pitch in the bullpen and pitch in the uh, rotation. Maybe that's where a Seth Lugo fits, uh, as well. That, that seems to, uh, uh, that seemed to have worked out pretty well for San Diego. Lugo pitched pretty well uh, in the, in that role. For, let uh, let for me ask audience. you this, Jason. How how much do you think? Um, I believe with Cashman's comments on Yamamoto, or excuse me, on Stanton mm. and his and his injury outlook, essentially. How much do you think that that impacted Yamamoto's willingness to sign with the Yankees? I don't think it's going to. As we sit here and record this, Yamamoto has not made a decision. Otani has not made a decision. Uh, Montgomery's still out there. Snell's still out there. Bellinger's still I don't think it's going to because, I mean, it certainly wasn't smart. It certainly wasn't going to help to uh, to kind of mouth off about Wolf's you know client. But at the end of the day, the agent has to get the player where the player wants to go. And if the player understands what Cashman was doing there and the mistake that he made, there's still a path for him to be like, okay, the the general manager is frustrated. I get it. Um, Did he kind of clean that up a little bit after he tried to, he did. And if you go in and, and, and you're Yamamoto and you meet with the Yankees and you're like, okay, this was just Cashman frustrated. Like it, it, you know, there are no complaints. I'm going to talk to other players my agent's going to talk to people for me. Like, like I think there's still a path to where that's a complete non-factor for Yamamoto. If Yamamoto wants to be in pinstripes, it's it's Wolf's job to get him into pinstripes. Um, so at the end of the day, I, I don't think I don't think that's a thing really. But again, if Yamamoto saw that and was like, "Whoa, like I think I'm out. Like I don't even want to. I don't even want to think about them anymore." Because we really don't know where that's going right now. 
We know that he's talking to teams, but we really do, we're really not getting a lot of information on he or Otani at this point, and we're just kind of playing the guessing game. Um, yeah, Cashman. Uh, <laughs> uh, ooh, yeah, that's not something you want to do. Um, it's unfortunate. Stan can't get on the field. We know how good he is. Uh, we like him for our team. We need his bat in the lineup. He's been such a good player for a long time, but it's been really disappointing, and I'm sure it's been frustrating for him. Like those, That's GM speak. Not, well, he's probably going to get hurt again because that's what he does. I mean, and that's essentially, I mean, come on, man. It sounds like he's butthurt about it. Cash, you're the one that made the deal to bring him over in the first place. Like, this is on you, buddy. Um, yeah, but that's a good question, Casey, because uh, the Yankees being in on Yamamoto, if Yamamoto is still very interested in the Yankees, and it seems like a great place for him. Seems like a really good fit for him. He doesn't have to be the best pitcher on the team. Um, and you get to wear the pinstripes and play in the Bronx. Um, and apparently that's the thing he revels in. He likes the attention. He likes the limelight. He wants to, he wants to, uh, uh, be in front of the media. That's uh, he's a lot different than Otani in that way. That's, uh, that's the word from, uh, uh, from his agent to, uh, to reporters, uh, over the past month or so. Um, a lot, a lot of interesting stuff kind of coming out right now. We're just kind of sitting around and we're waiting for the ball to drop. And when I say ball instead of balls, the Otani's the one. And 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 while I don't think he's holding up the entire market, like I do think these teams, like I don't think he's holding up the Mets or the Dodgers, but I do think he's probably holding up the Giants. I do think he's probably holding up the Cubs. I do think he was. You know, if we believe they're out now, they were in at one point. I do think he was holding up the Rangers. Uh, I and I do think he's holding up the Red Sox. Um, by the way, what are the Red Sox doing? It's rhetorical because uh, I don't know what they're doing. Um, but yeah, I think the Dodgers and, and the Angels or the Angels are trying to stay in it. Uh, but I think as soon as Otani decides, the flurry's going to start. Like I think there are deals ready to be made as soon as Otani picks a team for a bunch of other guys. I think there's trades ready to be made. I think other free agents are going to make their decision. Um, but Otani is the one it, it's the impact story right now in major league baseball. There are a lot of implications for each team that's rumored to be involved. Casey, and let's just go down the, uh, the list here at this point. Uh, let's start with the blue Jays. So the blue Jays are, they're trying to stay in this and it's been really interesting to hear that they were in it in the first place and that they're still being considered, uh, that they're not out, that they haven't been ruled. Although we don't know that Otani has actually ruled out anyone, but uh, reportedly the Rangers bowed out. Reportedly the Cubs bowed out, and then their general manager, their president, said we have not bowed out. So right now it seems to be just the Rangers from that original list of clubs. Uh, but the Blue Jays staying in it sounds like they're hopeful. If if you're Otani and you're considering the Blue Jays, but then you say I'm gonna go somewhere else. If you're Ross Atkins in the Blue Jays. I guess the question is what now? Like, because Otani was only going to be a hitter for you in 2024. And then you could think about it, reinserting him into the rotation in 2025. Does that tell us? I think what, what that tells us Casey is maybe that's a place for Bellinger. Maybe that's a place for Chapman to go back. Maybe that's a place for Jorge Soler or Reese Hoskins or uh, other trade targets that can hit. It sounds to me like the blue Jays, really want to add another big bat to that lineup. And if it's not Otani, to be honest with you, I don't know who that is. Like it, if Bellinger's that guy and he turns out to be that guy, great. But there are question marks with Cody Bellinger. So it'd be really interesting 
to see what the Blue Jays do. I would expect them to add some relief help, but it sounds like hitters. That, that's really on their agenda. And if Otani says no, the implications there are, well, it's a huge step down to the next best hitter, is it not? Yeah, I think it is. And I think that might be part of the reason why. If Otani says no, and I think he does, I think personally, I think Otani to the Blue Jays is a little bit of a, uh, it's like, it's almost like a fishnet with a, with a couple holes in it, right? Like, yeah, we think we're going to catch this guy and he's a big fish, but there's a lot of holes in this net and we don't really think that we're going to catch him. So mm-hmm. what's our next plan? And I think the next plan is go make the rotation rotation better than what it is right now because they lost Manoa and they didn't lose him to free agency or trade or any of that. They lost Manoa to non-performance right however you want to categorize however you want to put it Mm -hmm. and and losing that kind of pitcher where where what they lost them from was being an ace pitcher to uh, uh, a quadruple a pitcher essentially i think your next move is to turn to yoshinobu yamamoto or blake snell um, and say how can we make our rotation better because yeah, you can make the offense better. You can. You can go get – I don't know that it's better. I don't know that it's better because if you go get Yoshinobu Yoshino or uh, or Blake Snell, you improve mm-hmm. the rotation. But if you go and get Cody Bellinger after a year where you lost Matt Chapman – how much is the how much how much better is the offense, right? It, Matt Chapman was. Uh, it could was be the point. same. It, it, it could, could be. be it could easily be the same or or close to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's likely the same. The best bet is that it would probably be the same as it was a year ago, right? But what if they did both? What if they brought back Chapman and signed Cody Bellinger? A little bit of a different story, right? Yeah, I do think that the Blue Jays have to cover for like well, they're still. I, you have to think that, and we've talked a lot about Vlad Guerrero Jr. on the show. You have to think that he's got a good chance to be significantly better. We've seen him be one of the elite hitters in baseball. It's been a couple of years, but this past year he was closer to ordinary. And But you still have to, if you're the Blue Jays, think, okay, you're not counting on it, but you still have to think there's a chance he gets back closer to that and is a guy that uh, that, that hits 280 with 30-plus home runs and and, you know, puts up the all-star numbers again to go with Bellinger, to go with Chapman, to go with wh- whatever other uh, uh, moves you make and be significantly better at two or three spots because you had an in-house guy improve. Uh, when you look at it from a position-by-position position standpoint, where the, the Blue Jays struggled the most was the outfield because y- 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 you look at George Springer taking a little bit of a step back and he's probably not going to be playing, you know, center field anymore. And he didn't play center field a whole lot last year, but, you know, still had a pretty decent year, but, you know, we're talking about a guy who's, you know, getting hurt, played 130 games last year. They had Kevin Kiermeyer last year who was one of the better outfielders. And then it was Dalton Varsho who, you know, had a bad year first year in Toronto after that deal with the Arizona diamondbacks, Varsho did not hit much, you know, did not hit much at all. They need outfield help. So that's why I keep thinking of Bellinger. There's a lot of they could go they could go back and get Lourdes Gurriel and just kind of get a floor guy, a probability guy, and then you know continue to try to make impact moves elsewhere. But to me, it looks like they need two outfielders right now. I mean, Whit Merrifield's gone right now. Uh Kiermaier's a free agent as well. So it's Springer 
and Dalton Varsho. And I don't know, like, what are you going to do now? Like what's next? They don't really have anything in the farm system that's busting through. So yeah, I, I think Toronto is a really interesting one because otherwise that's a pretty good team on paper that that pitching staff is actually pretty solid. Not that they couldn't use one more guy to toss there, at least in the, the number two or number three spot, but they're going to need some, they're going to need at least one or two hitters. And it looks like the outfield's probably the best place to put that. So the Toronto Blue Jays, if they don't get Otani, and I'm with you, Case, I don't think they're, I don't think Toronto's where he's landing. There are some pretty significant implications there. And it's a good thing for them that the Chapmans and the Bellingers haven't moved on already because these, these teams sitting around and waiting for the Otani decision, that's the risk that you lose out on someone else. The Dodgers, the Dodgers have been the favorites all along. Now, this is a different conversation than the Blue Jays. If Otani picks somebody not named the Dodgers, the direct implications really aren't that steep. They're really not. I mean, we're not going to tie Yamamoto to this just yet. But if you told me Otani signed with somebody not named the Dodgers, I would still tell you, okay, the Dodgers are still a 95-win team. They need to go out and get a couple of arms, but this is probably when they turn around and use their younger players, their farm system to go get a Dylan Cease or a Corbin Burns, or maybe even both, maybe sign a Blake Snell, maybe sign a Jordan Montgomery. Uh, I think the, the implications for the Dodgers just make it look different instead of, boy, I don't know what they're going to do, you know, because that's kind of what, what we just talked about with Toronto. Like, it's not really clear the next steps for Toronto. It's pretty clear what the Dodgers are going to do if they don't get Otani. And that's turn, and they're probably going to go after Cease and Burns anyway, even if they get Otani because he's not going to pitch in 2024. So that it, it's it's different, and and it does sound like Yamamoto is at least connected to the Dodgers enough to suggest he's on their list or they're on his list. Toronto, we're not hearing Yamamoto buzz in Toronto, so that's a completely different story. The team needs are different, therefore the implications are different. But that's that that Dodgers team, that Dodgers lineup. I mean, we can put together a pretty good lineup right now without Otani. You put Otani in that lineup, and it's, you know, it's obviously a game changer. Um, yeah, and it's really cool the, to to think about too. When you talk about the Dodgers I, in 2023, they had a team WRC plus of about well 117 WRC plus mm -hmm. for the whole year. And so when you think about where Otani's going to go and how much he's gonna, going to affect the offense right because in 2024 he's only going to affect the offense and whatever team he goes to mm -hmm. so how much he's going to affect the offense for the dodgers well of course he's going to affect it they're going to be better right maybe not better than 117 wrc plus things happen mm -hmm. but they're going to be better but their rotation really for the dodgers is where they're lacking impact because who who do the Dodgers have in the rotation that is going to be reliable in 2024 and be high impact? Why did they lose in the 2023 playoffs? What happened? Right. Yeah, there was a lot of pressure on their offense, and and they didn't and they didn't do it because they did not have the starting rotation. Yeah, I look at that that rotation and I go, okay, who am who can I rely on? Well, what what's the deal with Clayton Kershaw? Because I can rely on him for something during the season. He's not the pitcher he used to be. He's more like a mid-rotation kind of number four guy, 150 innings, that sort of thing. Who's the impact guy? Who's the guy that goes toe-to-toe -to -toe with Logan Webb in San Francisco, with you know Zach Gallen in Arizona, you know, with uh, with you Darvish in, in San Diego? Who's the guy? And the Dodgers don't have that guy. 
Um, that's why I think Yamamoto is at least on their radar. They're going to do something, maybe two somethings rotation-wise to get impact at the top of that rotation, whether they get Otani or not. Um, it's going to be really I, I like Bobby Miller. I like some of the guys in their farm system. Um, I like Emmett Sheehan. I like uh, – uh, I mean, but the, the, when you look at the guys they're losing, you know, like like Walker Bueller's not going to be ready to start the season. But uh, Urias is gone, and he might be out of baseball uh, for good. Uh, they have a, another young arm that I really like in uh, in Ryan Pepio, who could end up being in one of those trades we're talking about with Milwaukee or Chicago, uh, just for example. But uh, they that Dodgers team, it, it's always fun to talk about that Dodgers team because you can trade players of impact to get other players of impact, and and not feel like oh man, I didn't really didn't want to get rid of that guy on this roster. Like like Gavin Lux and and. Uh, and Will Smith's name came up today in conversation for me as I'm texting back and forth with people and talking about stuff. And Gavin Lux seemed to really start to turn a corner and then he got hurt last year. And Will Smith's been one of the better catchers in baseball like the last four or five years. But those two guys came up be- because if that's what it takes to get Dylan Cease, then you're just pulling the trigger. You know what I mean? If it takes Gavin Lux, you know Emmett Sheehan, and Will Smith to get Dylan Cease, you're just saying yes bringing in Dylan Cease and putting him at the top of your rotation with whoever else you get. But that Dodgers team is fascinating because even without Otani, we know they're going to make impact moves this winter. You could tell me, Casey, that, and maybe you disagree, you could tell me the Dodgers don't make one significant free agent signing this winter, and I will still bet the over one and a half on impact players added because I think they can make significant trades. Especially if, if they don't make any moves in the lineup. Right, because they didn't have a pitcher that pitched over 132 innings last year. Mm. None, zero. Clayton Kershaw was the most, and he pitched 131.2 innings last year. Urias pitched 117.1. Bobby Miller pitched 124.1, and Gonsolin pitched 103. They had zero pitchers that pitched over 132.0 innings last year. So if if you're gonna go through, hey, the Dodgers did this, the Dodgers did that. I would agree with you, but if you told me that the Dodgers made zero moves to the rotation, I would I, I would have questions. Yeah, that, yeah that's not happening. Questions. It's not happening. Yeah, you're right. That's not happening. There's no way that happens. It might not be free agent, but there's no way that's happening. Here's the thing. Like, I'm trying to think. Like, uh, Corbin Burns is obviously a guy. Dylan Cease is obviously a guy. Is there another arm out there that's kind of top of the rotation, like number one, number two type? that that i'm not thinking of that's kind of been bandied about as potential trade bait um where the i guess we can throw logan gilbert in that mix if seattle were to add a pitcher maybe they try to use a logan gilbert to uh to land a hitter that they that they badly need so i i, I guess i can throw him into the mix like he would certainly make sense for the dodgers um if he were available is there someone else I'm not thinking of? Because it seems like there was a third and maybe even a fourth guy that I'm just not thinking of right now, Case. That that Chicago White Sox, they only got the one guy, Dylan Cease. Woodruff's going to miss time uh, because of the shoulder injury, or he would be involved there. But it seems to me I'm missing someone. Ah, uh, Tyler Glass now. Yeah, T- in Tampa. I could, see, I could see him. I could see Tampa and the Dodgers hooking up. So he's another guy to throw into that mix. He was the guy I was thinking of. I like that fit, and 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 also Lazardo in in Miami, Jesus Lazardo. That's a really interesting he, one too. Yeah, he pitched 178 innings last year. He threw a he pitched to a 3.58 ERA with good, a really 3.55 FIP, mm-hmm. and, and and struck out over 10 guys. 
for nine innings. That that's and, a that's a solid candidate. And, and through strikes and through strikes. Yeah, that was um, that that was a good year for him. It's funny when you look at uh, pitcher wins above replacement, which isn't my favorite stat, but I happen to have it pulled up. Uh, Fangraphs formula. Uh, Jesus Lazardo was 17th in Major League Baseball uh, with 3.7 wins above replacement, tied with Dylan Cease. And the next guy on the list at number 19, Corbin Burns. So all three of the guys that we were just talking about right there at 17, 18, 19 in Major League Baseball. I'm also interested, by the way, I'm just throwing this out there. Mitch Keller had a pretty good year last year in Pittsburgh. I don't know where Pittsburgh thinks they are, but Mitch Keller having a breakout. 194 innings, he was worth three wins, had a good year, threw strikes. The stuff's always been good. But we're talking about a guy now who has two years of control left. He's going to be 28 years old like the first week, week and a half of the season. Uh, does Pittsburgh really think they can win? I know that the NL Central isn't good. Uh, I still think they're the third best team at very best in that division. I would shop. I would wait until January when all the, the trademark and everybody. And if I'm the Pittsburgh uh, Pirates, I would shop Mitch Keller. And I think Keller fits in Los Angeles too. Yeah, and it's interesting that we didn't get any reports of, and in fact, we got reports of possibly, and I don't want to say reports because they weren't direct, but we got rumors of the fact that the Dodgers didn't even approach Eduardo Rodriguez before he mm-hmm. signed to uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks yesterday. Yeah. Well, remember, he said no to the Dodgers in the middle of the season. And I felt like that could have just been because he didn't want to move his family sure. in the middle of the season. I, I do. And, and I think I think that's a legit concern. But the fact that the Dodgers possibly right didn't even approach Eduardo Rodriguez is interesting. I mean, last year he had a three-win season, 152 innings. Yeah. He's uh, pretty good. 3 3 He's good. Yeah. He's good. He, he's, he's, good. A, he's a he, top 30 pitcher in, in he's the a, Yeah, right he's now. like a guy in a good rotation who's – if he's your three, you're in pretty good shape, and that's probably where he fits in in Arizona behind Merrill Kelly and uh, and Zach Gallen. I was surprised he didn't get five years, but 480 is pretty good for him. There's a little bit of, there's a little bit of risk there because he has missed a little bit of time, but – it hasn't generally been because of significant injury, because of serious. He, well, he didn't get five years guaranteed. He did get five years on, right. uh, on. Uh, he he can get five years if he pitches so many innings. But, but yeah, yeah, like totally twenty million crazy. a year, pretty pretty predictable there. I think uh, with uh, with the Nolas of the world getting twenty five, um, or a little under twenty five. And we expect Snell to get something around that AAV wise, whether he gets five years or six years or seven years. Or Let me ask you this, Jason. Do you think yep. that changes anything for Snell, the Rodriguez deal? Do you think that changes? I don't. For Snell at all? I don't. I think it's status quo. And I think you wrote about this and wrote about it that way that, that it probably just keeps things about where we expected it to be. Um, because I, I, I think the best guesses on Rodriguez were about 18 to 21 million a year. Like, I don't think anybody really thought he was getting 23 or 24. Uh, especially since uh, uh, Nola got 24 plus, almost 25. Um, and that, that's kind of where the market is for number ones and number twos right now. And I think Rodriguez is probably just a notch below those guys. They're about the same age. Uh, Rodriguez is going to be, what, 31, I think, in April. Uh, so they're about the same age, uh, Nola, Snell, Rodriguez. But th- those other two guys are just a, a little bit better, a little more reliable uh, in Nola's case, uh, going to cover more innings on a consistent basis. Uh, and the Phillies obviously know him and he knows them. Uh, Snell obviously has the ability to pop and have that that four and a half, five win season and win the dang Cy Young. And I don't know that Rodriguez has that capability. So just a notch below those guys. I think Rodriguez ability wise is right there with Jordan Montgomery. 
I think Montgomery probably I don't really love how this goes when it comes to the market. I think Montgomery pitching well down the stretch and in the postseason earned him money. It's going to get him some money that he probably didn't actually earn is what I'm going to say, but uh, more power to him. But I think Rodriguez and Montgomery are more similar than Rodriguez and Blake Snow, if that makes sense. And that, w- and that was going to be my next question was, do you think that this changed anything for more mid-tier guys like Marcus Stroman, Martin Perez, uh, Michael Walker, Seth Lugo? Do you think that that contract that, that Eduardo Rodriguez got, for, got do you think that that changes anything for those guys? I don't because again, I think Rodriguez got about what was expected. Really, I I really thought he was going to get five years, but four and eighty got the AAV that most people thought he was going to get right in that range. So if you're Stroman and you're, you know, you're uh, you're a year older than Rodriguez and have you know a very similar last three seasons, by the way, like you haven't thrown two hundred innings. Um, but you've been 140 to 180, depending on the situation. Uh, I think Stroman probably gets four and 70, four and 74 and 75, something like that, depending on where he goes, but, uh, something similar to Rodriguez. But if I were paying both guys, I'd want to pay Stroman a little less than Rodriguez, but yeah, I don't think it changes anything. I think it's pretty much status quo at this point. I think what's going to blow things out of the water and and a good and a reason why Blake Snell and his agent are making the right choice and backing off and not trying to push something is Yamamoto is probably getting somewhere between 270 and 300 million dollars not including the posting fee to his team I'm talking just to Yama, just to Yamamoto which means Blake Snell could probably get 200 million after that if Nola would have waited around he could have got 200 million dollars and I think that's how that goes but you know getting back to Otani and and, and the Dodgers it's just a completely different set of implications uh, the next team on the list is the Angels so we cross town and we go to LA this is where Otani spent his entire major league career and it for a while it didn't sound like the Angels had a shot but they're in this and and what I was hearing from a couple of people that were at the winter meetings in Nashville was there was some buzz Casey that Yamamoto is going to go where Otani goes and that the favorite was the Angels in some circles. The way some people were hearing this was the Angels were kind of the favorite, and if Otani went to the Angels, they were going to get Yamamoto as well. Wow, that would be huge. And the whole, you know, tying those two together could go, that could be the Dodgers too. That could be the Mets. That could be the Cubs. That could be the Giants. It could be the Yankees. It could be the Red Sox. We don't have no's on anybody right now. So I thought that was interesting, both that the Angels were still in this and that maybe Yamamoto just says, I want to play where Otani plays because we have, Casey, we have heard that he kind of likes the idea. It's not a prerequisite necessarily, but he kind of likes the idea of playing on a major league team that already has a Japanese player. The Dodgers don't have that guy. The Angels don't have that guy right now. The Mets do in, in Kodai Senga, but not a lot. And the Cubs do with Seiya Suzuki, but not a lot of teams do. But if you follow Otani, it's built right into the, the two transactions there, Case. Yeah, and I think that that makes a lot of sense from a team standpoint, right? Especially if you're the Angels. Um, you're going to go get Otani and Yamamoto, right? And, and you're going to propel yourself into... Uh, essentially borderline wild card contention it, it, mm-hmm. without adding more, right? We, you, you've got yeah. Mike Trout <clears throat> and the rest of the lineup, and then you've got well, you're missing Otani in, in the uh, in the rotation, but if you got you've got Yamamoto plus, mm-hmm. and so you're propelling yourself into essentially wild card contention. You're almost at the same place that you were last year. Um, 
and, and that makes a lot of sense. I don't think it makes a ton of sense from a player standpoint. I don't think it makes a ton of sense from Otani standpoint. Because right. if you're Otani and, and you're thinking about and all we've heard, we haven't heard much, right? We've we've heard essentially nothing from Otani other than the fact that he wants to win. At first, when he first signed, it was that he wanted to create his own legacy, like right? Like that was the potential reason that he didn't sign with Seattle was because Ichiro was already in Seattle and, and, and he wanted to create his own legacy. Okay, fine. Right. Yeah, that's great. I totally understand that. So if you're gonna go to the Los Angeles Angels and 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 create your your own legacy, right? Well, Mike Trout's already there. Mike Trout's got a legacy. It's not a great one. It's a good one. He's one of the best players to ever play baseball. But he went to the but Otani went to the Angels despite that. If you go back to the Angels, you're kind of almost signing back there expecting even if Yamamoto comes not to win, you're you're disregarding your uh, desire to win and replacing it with consistency almost essentially yeah right? continuity yep continuity. What, you're familiar, what you're familiar with yeah that's interesting and and i would that and that's the reason why i was so surprised because while the angels have money to spend like even if if we assume they're willing to go 230 235 million dollars um which keeps them under the that that first uh, level of uh, uh cbt by the way the tax but they're only at about 156 million committed right now you could conceivably sign and that's just cash out money not the uh, not the actual CBT number. The CBT number might actually be a little higher. It is a little higher. It's about ten million higher. So they have one hundred fifty six million right now due to players in a cash out capacity. But even at the uh, even the CBT number leaves them about sixty five to seventy million dollars to spend before they get to the luxury tax number. So they could conceivably give Otani fourteen years and six hundred million dollars, and Yamamoto ten years and two hundred eighty million dollars. And structure it to where they stay under that tax number still. Like that's doable. But the point you made, Casey, was like, what does that actually do for us? Like we're going to sell tickets, but are we actually going to win? And this is where player choice comes into play. I'm totally with you. The Angels would be, that would be very, very surprising to me if if they got either one of those guys, let alone both of them. The Giants, they the Giants have been trying to give away their money for a couple of years now. They tried to give Carlos Correa $250 million. They didn't like his medicals. That didn't work out. They tried to give Judge $300 million. He took basically the same contract to stay with New York. Totally understand it, and I commend Aaron Judge for that. The Giants are trying to go big, and if Otani doesn't pick them, if Yamamoto doesn't pick them, and I don't know that the Giants are even in on Yamamoto, I don't know what the Giants do here. I really don't. I really don't know what's next. Are they really going to go down the Cody Bellinger route? Are they really going to go down the Matt Chapman route? Because and maybe because that would be the predictable route. Because you remember what they did last year? They tried to get those two big guns, they didn't, and then they moved on and signed Mitch Haniger and Michael Conforto to short deals, a two-year deal, two and thirty-six for uh for Michael Conforto and what three and forty-three for Mitch Haniger, taking a chance on some uh, oft injured bats and didn't really work out last year. I don't know what the Giants do after that. Because the one thing the Giants should probably be trying to stay away from right now is getting older players that are beyond 30 into their early 30s and have histories of missing time. And they probably need some stability. They probably need some guys that are worth four, five, six-year deals. So I don't know. Bellinger? Like, I don't know who else is really out there that fits. They do need some pitching, Casey, but they also need some consistent bats in the middle of that lineup. And I just don't know, other than Bellinger, who might be able to provide that if they're out on Otani. 
Yeah, and if you're Otani or any player, Bellinger, Yamamoto, you look at the Giants and go, why? Why should I sign with the Giants? Other than money, right? Because everybody's offering you money. Why should I sign with the Giants? What do the Giants have that no team other have? No, no team has that I can say, hey, I can look at this team and go, yeah, there's a chance for contention here and I can get paid surplus dollars. Right. Nothing. Yeah, they, they don't have that's anything the thing too. That's the thing too. The money's going to be there no matter who he signs with. Toronto, Anaheim, the Dodgers, the Cubs, they're all offering him 500 plus million dollars. And once you get to that point, is it really about like, well, the Giants offered me 540 and the Dodgers offered me 560? No, it's not. It's not. Yeah, they don't point. have Julio Rodriguez. They don't have Mookie Betts. They don't, they don't have Xander Bogarts. They don't have the Mets's um, willingness to go to $300 million in salary. They they don't have Aaron judge. They don't have Juan Soto. What do they have? What do they have? They don't have a good rotation. They don't have a good lineup. Yeah. That's a weird one too. That that's, that's a lot more like the angels than anyone else in, in this mix. Now the rest of the clubs on this list make some sense from either a market standpoint, um, or, you know, or they're competitive, but the Red Sox would probably be next. They probably fall into that Angels uh, Giants category where are they going to be able to win with me? Like, what else is there? Like, they got Rafael Devers, but they traded Bogarts. They traded Betts. They just traded Alex Verdugo. Chris Sale, you don't really know what you're going to get. That team is so far away on paper, at least, Casey, from winning. And that's why I was like, what are they actually trying to do this winter? Because they've done nothing really except make a, a couple of small deals um, you know, and then trading away Alex Verdugo, who was one of their better offensive players last year. I kind of expected something big or a couple of big things from the Red Sox this winter. We certainly haven't seen it yet, and it certainly could happen. But if it's not Otami or, or Yamamoto, I don't know what it is, and I think it's going to be a failure of an offseason for Boston. And it's tough to see a direction for Boston right now. Right, They're so in between, especially with Verdugo gone. But even with Verdugo gone, Verdugo was what? I think it was a, a two-win player. Right. Mm-hmm. So you trade a two-win outfielder away, so what? Not a big deal, right? It's kind of like Seattle, where you trade a, a, a two- to three-win um High strikeout. Verdugo's not a high strikeout. It's like guy, there's but, so many holes already, though. You know, yeah, there's, there's so like, yeah. What are they, what are they gonna do in the output? What are they gonna do base, in the rotation? They have Devers. They have Duran. Uh, th- that seems to be like the only answers they have in their lineup right now. Like and what Duran kind of is a question? Are they trying to put at, at least a little? Yeah, you know, it's not like he's a star. So I don't know what they're doing there. It's, I'm not saying that they shouldn't have traded Verdugo. It's just hard to envision that being a place where Otani is going to feel like he can go and win or Yamamoto is going to, even if they got both, it doesn't seem like Boston would win that division or win 95 games, even adding Otani and Yamamoto to it, which is really weird, but that just tells you where Boston was when the season ended. I just, things have just fallen apart in Boston since they traded Mookie Betts. And you know what? They kind of deserve it. <laughs> you know, they kind of, I don't know any people there, uh, but they kind of deserve it. And it's kind of funny. Boston seems like a, a really prime candidate to do uh, sort of sort of a the half rebuild, right? Like not a full because they have some guys, mm-hmm. but like Duran and such. But they seem sort of like a prime candidate where, hey, spending, hey, spending a crazy amount of dollars really isn't going to do us anything. Uh, it might net us a at least not this card. year. But what, what what if I told you this? What if I, I'm not going to go as far as to say what if they got Otani and Yamamoto? Let let's say let's say that this year they signed Cody Bellinger 
and Matt Chapman. Okay. So I may not do enough for them this year. Let's say they do that and they trade for, you know, like a mid rotation starter or something. Okay. And then they go next year and they do something else pretty big. Like by then they could be a winner and it would look like what the Texas Rangers just did because two years ago, before they signed Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon, that was not a good roster at all. That 40 man roster was bottom 10 in the league, but that bottom some time and they didn't win in year one. They were still a pretty mediocre to bad team. Year one was Seager and Simeon there, but it gave them a little more time year two. They get in, they were a much better team. They won 90 games this year. They got to the postseason. They got hot and they hit their way to a world series. I think that could be the Red Sox if they make the right decisions over the next two years. But man, I find it really difficult to believe they compete in 2024, man. Like yeah, that, that's the worst find, team in that division, right? You got to find your Adolis Garcia, right? You have to find players that end up being surprises. And, and that's how why often they're two years happens. off. That's why they're and two how often years that off. happens is, is, is almost next to zero. And that's you why the Rangers. Have to be, you also have to be good at it. And, and I think that's why Boston made a change at GM. You also have to be good at those sorts of things, at identifying those kinds of players, trading the right guys and holding on to the right guys. And that's something that, that John Daniels did a pretty decent job of, and then Chris Young took over, and, and, and he's continuing in Texas. But they're free agent. They hit on Seager, and they hit on Simeon, and they made a couple of key trades, and that was it. Like I think just about every team in baseball is within three years of winning, and I think most teams are within two years of winning if you're willing to spend. Right. And then I think Texas is the, the the best and most recent example of that. But yeah, like even with even with two years, there's certainly no guarantee that they're going to be this 95 win team in a couple of years. I mean, Texas didn't even get to 95. Um, Boston, that's such a weird situation. there. So I throw them in the, the category with Otani um, in regards to Otani with the Angels and the Giants and the Rangers who reportedly bowed out. That would have made things pretty scary in Texas in that lineup. And obviously, he'd have been able to help them on the mound in 2025 and beyond. It, the report is that they've bowed out, and we haven't heard from Texas that they haven't bowed out, and maybe they're just abiding by Otani's preference that teams don't talk about it. But if they're out, it's uh, if you're the Astros and the Mariners and the Angels and the A's, it's a big wipe your brow you know, kind of a scenario because that lineup was already really, really good. And I think there's a chance that lineup is better in 2024 because of the arrival of guys like, you know, Evan Carter uh, and everybody else returns. So, uh, so if the Rangers are out, then it's basically after that, the Mets and the Yankees. Now we've talked quite a bit about the Yankees and what they need. Otani would be huge, especially after getting Soto. But the Mets here seem to me to be the one team in the East Casey that might be able to convince Otani. This is the place to be. Just from a, hey, we have Francisco Lindor, we have Brandon Nimmo, we have Brett Beatty, we have Mark Vientos, we have Jeff McNeil, uh, we have pieces, and let's bring you and Yamamoto to New York, and we can win now. And, and I think that would be true. Now, do they need a couple of other pieces? Uh, sure, but I think that division, while Atlanta is going to be no, basically no matter what the Mets do, Atlanta is going to be the best roster. But you can get into the, the postseason as a wild card and win the World Series. We know that. But with Senga and Severino and Quintana and a little bit of pitching depth there with McGill and David Peterson, if you add Yamamoto to that and you add Otani to that lineup, the Mets are looking like one of the best three or four teams in Major League Baseball, I think. So 
as far as the teams out there that might be some kind of a double threat, I think the Dodgers and then the Mets before the Angels. What say you, Case? Yeah, and I, I do want to just a 15-second touch on the Yankees, right? Because Shohei Otani is going to DH, and he's going to DH a ton. He might play, I don't know, 15 to let's call it 20. I bet it's less than that in the outfield. And it might uh, be none. It could it might be. be none. Yeah. In 2024. And and for the Yankees, what DH at bats do you have to give around? You already have. Well, th- that would be a sacrifice yeah. you'd have to make, obviously. But yeah. That would if, be a sacrifice if, you'd if have to make. If says, I want to come there for $400 million on whatever, seven years, 10 years, you're going to just do it. Okay. Right. But, but that's something to think about. Okay. Then you go to the Mets, right? It's an obvious fit. It's an obvious fit. And so is the Dodgers. Um, it is. Those seem like to be the two very best fits from a win. We can win now with you. Even if we detach Yamamoto from this, like if you're the Mets and you have Senga and Quintana and Severino and Peterson, which isn't a great four and McGill, that's not a great five. But if you were to add Otani to the mix, you can project him for 2025. Then you just turn around and go out and say, cool, uh, Blake Snell or cool, Jordan Montgomery or cool. Let's trade for Dylan Cease. You just go out and do it. And I think that's one of the big reasons why the Mets stayed away from the Juan Soto thing. Because if you go get Juan Soto, your pitching staff is reliant on getting Yamamoto or spending money, and you wouldn't be able to trade for it uh, because you'd have to trade some of that to go get Juan Soto. Um, I think that's why the Mets stayed out of it. The Mets are fascinating to me, and we know they'll spend, and they'll spend big. So the the fact that maybe Yamamoto is going to attach himself to where Otani goes I think the Mets are in play here. Uh, if the, if those two players are willing to play East, and and I think we know that Yamamoto is. If Otani is, I would not be shocked if the Mets is the place he announces on the and that Otani announces on Sunday. And maybe we get both of them announced at the same time. Who knows? Can we toss two just for fun? Can we toss two uh, because there's been speculation, right? There's been mm-hmm. speculation of these of these mystery teams and or team, yep, uh, out there. Let's toss let's toss, for fun. Let's toss two mystery teams. I'll do one, you do one. I'm gonna let you okay. go first. Toss a mystery team out there that you think, hey, uh, Shohei Otani might be paying attention to this team if they're willing to pay him. Maybe they aren't, but maybe they are. I think the, by the way, before I get to a mystery team, I think the, the, the team that's kind of a, like a, like under the radar, even though they've been mentioned a bunch is the Cubs. I think they're willing to pay the money. And I think there's some sense there. If you're Otani, like if you go there and say, if you do this and this, I'm in, if you're telling me this is going to be your approach the next 10 years, I'll take your 500 plus million dollars and and I'll come. I, I think, I think they're in play. And if I were Otani and I'm not, but if I were Otani, I would consider the Cubs. Lots of tradition, good place to hit, uh, winnable division. So they're getting to the postseason. Otani, you know, Otani signs with the Cubs and they do nothing else. I would still bet on the Cubs getting to the World Series. Uh, not an automatic, but I would at least bet on them doing it. As far as a mystery team, I'm going to leave the, the the one that's probably most obvious to both of us for you. Uh, but I've, if I'm looking around at, at a team that could be in on Otani that we haven't heard attached to them because we've heard the Braves. We've obviously heard the Mets and all the teams we just went to, but the one team we haven't talked about that it it surprises me a little bit that it's not a team that, that most people would say, Hey, and and I'm not talking about the Cardinals because they've never spent that kind of money and they're never going to do it. It's obviously not the pirates and the, and the reds. And it's obviously not the diamondbacks and the, and the Rockies. And it's, uh, 
the the team that I keep coming back to that I'm really surprised they didn't try to get in early that might be this mystery team. I don't think they have a real shot, but I think one of those mystery teams could be the Detroit Tigers, Casey. Yeah, the Detroit Tigers. Were you thinking the same thing, that the Tigers might be? No, I, go ahead because I'm going to say somebody different. I want I want you to I want you to go through that because I'm going to say somebody different. Yeah, I just thought that I just think the Tigers are going to try to make some kind of a splash, and I'm really surprised that we haven't heard them attached to Otani trying to get in there. Not that they really would have much of a shot, but that's because I just expected them to be um, to be really aggressive. That would be a tough sell uh, on a lot of free agents to go to Detroit of all places when you can go to LA and you've been living in the LA area all this time. But I'm just really surprised. I would, let's just put it this way. I would be mildly surprised if Detroit didn't try to get involved at some level and then get turned away. That's kind of what I think about uh, Detroit being one of those potential mystery teams. I think the other mystery team here, the, one of the two mystery teams is pretty darn freaking obvious. So the team I was going to say is the Orioles. The team I was going to say is because what do they need? Well, they need just, they won a hundred games. So I guess, what do they really need? Right. Mm. But they need the rotation help. And I know they do. And I know that, that Otani's not pitching next year. They could afford that and count on him coming the following year, but they do need DH at bats and, and, and mm. Otani can fill that role. And I know they won a hundred games last year, but Otani can put a cap on that. And what did they do in the playoffs? Let me, I'm, I want to look at this here because because I think that I think this is important. I know they didn't have. Did um, they win a game in the playoffs? I know that they didn't have impact pitching in the playoffs. Sure, right? Because they don't have it. Because they don't. Because they because they lost. uh, I uh, I think they got swept by the Rangers. Right. Right. And I think in two out of those three games, they allowed more than seven runs. Um. So they have a bunch of mid road. They have a bunch of mid rotation types. Even Bradish who might have some number two upside. Uh, I think he's got, uh, he's a mid rotation guy. It's really tough for me to get beyond that right now. Um, There's this, uh, uh, there's this idea case that Kyle Bradish, you know, I mean, he was their de facto number one, but it's like, I still see him as a three. I think they have a bunch of threes and, and I think Baltimore should be in the mix for the Jordan Montgomery's and the Marcus Stroman's and the Blake Snell's cannot see them getting involved in Shohei Otani because, and there were rumors that came out on Thursday about a potential ownership change in Baltimore. That's going to take a while to happen with Angelos running. If with an Angelos running that team, they're not getting involved in Shohei Otani. Uh, I thought you were going to say Seattle. Cause I think that's the obvious one. I think as a, from a mystery team standpoint, I think that's the obvious one. And I think the reason why, even though Seattle has been slicing payroll to create some flexibility for the general manager to I just to don't think that's, it's much of improve. a mystery there Churchill I don't think it's I, much of a mystery name a reporter that has tied the Mariners to Otani in the last three weeks it hasn't happened that's why I think it's a mystery team they have not been connected to Otani having a meeting general manager flying to Japan to, to spend time with them flying to we haven't heard a peep about that it just came out that Hey, you know, it's probably not in the cars that Seattle gets Otani this winter. That's all we heard from Daniel Kramer, MLB.com. And that was it. After that, there's been none. But but it wouldn't surprise me if they were trying to do something interesting and creative to try to engage with Shohei Otani. I don't think we I don't think there's a team out there we didn't talk about a few minutes ago where Otani lands. I don't think there's any chance that he lands anywhere but one of the two LA's, uh, Toronto, uh, 
or New York. I, I think that's it. I think those are the teams he's going to choose from. I think the Cubs are out. The Rangers are out. Seattle is out. San Francisco's out. Uh, to be honest with you, I think Toronto is ultimately out too. I think it's the Dodgers or the Mets at the end of the day. Yeah, and I think I I do. I th- I think it's Mets, Dodgers, and and ultimately probably San Francisco because they have the money, they have the willingness. That mm-hmm. what did they offer Judge last year? Three hundred plus. Yeah, three hundred million. Three hundred plus. Yeah, they have the money, they have the willingness, they have the want. Whether Shohei Otani is interested in that, like we talked about earlier, I don't think he does because yeah. because they don't have anything. They don't have anything of interest, right? What are they, what do the what do the Giants have that Shohei Otani looks at and goes, "Hey, for the next five years, not even for the next ten, because Otani's probably going to get opt outs, but sure. for the next five years, what do the Giants have that I can look at and say, I have a chance, I have a shot." <laughs> At yeah. not only making the playoffs but winning the World Series, and yeah. I just don't, I don't see yeah. it. I don't see anything yep. there. Yep, I think that's a that's a middling roster at best right now, with not a lot of young guys coming up. I mean, Kyle Harrison, um, uh, Luciano, they'll make their uh, they'll make their marks in the next couple of years, but uh, but yeah, there's no cornerstone on that roster right now. It's Logan Webb at the top of the rotation and. A lot of what are we going to do between now and April to uh, to fill out the roster? So uh, I'm with you there. I think these mystery teams are just, uh, uh, for the most part, probably negotiating place or teams uh, saying they have interest or want to engage or trying to get a meeting. So then it gets out there and it's leverage on Cody Bellinger or Blake Snell or something like that. That's for the most part. I think that's what's going on. I think uh, I think we've talked about. I think we. I think we know the Dodgers are the heavy favorite. I think the Mets are second. And if I were to put a third team in there, it would be the Yankees. It would be the Yankees. I, I know I was told, I don't know. I was told Otani was going to have a conversation with the Red Sox, essentially as a courtesy, because he's a New Balance player. He's their signature athlete now at New Balance, and New Balance is based in Boston, and there would be some obvious advantages there. Uh, that one seems really, really tough. But here's the thing. Would you be surprised if we were surprised, Casey, <laughs> if Otani surprised us and went to San Francisco or went to the Cubs or went to the, you know, uh, or or went to the Red Sox or even went to Seattle or went to the Rams? I don't know. I don't, to be honest with you, I don't really know what to expect, you know, for sure. I don't feel 90% confident that it's Mets or Dodgers. I feel like 52% confident that it's Mets or Dodgers, you know? No, and a lot of a lot of uh, I don't want to say national media. I just want to say media are are and fans are complaining about the way that Otani is conducting his free agency. Yeah. Right, it, ultra yeah. secretive, no leaks, even rumors of if you leak stuff, uh, it's going to go against you. And, and we don't know that for sure right. until it comes from Otani or his agent's mouth. We have no idea of that. Right, right. so. It's interesting the way that he's conducting it and the way that he's conducting it tells me I want to consider all my options. If I'm yeah. going to if I'm going to keep everything secret from meetings to offers to uh, inklings of uh, what I'm thinking, that tells me I'm going to consider all of my options. It, it, if it's Seattle, if it's uh, the Giants, the, Padres. It's the East Coast, the the, yeah, the Padres, the Diamondbacks, which they're so far out of it that it's not right. even funny. But if it's any of those guys, he doesn't he doesn't want anybody to know. And, and I think that's and I think it's completely fine. And and I like it. 
frankly. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't I have any problem with it at all. Uh, I think Not that the all. thing should, the free agency of the player should go how the player wants it to go. Period. End of story. And people complaining about it are just going to catch fire for me. That's for damn sure. Buster only did it at ESPN. And I'm like, what a joke. What an absolute joke. He's not making your job easier and helping your network and helping your, you know, paycheck. So you think he's doing it wrong? Like get bent, man. Like, come on. This is ridiculous. And and this idea that he's holding back, um, you know, leaks and rumors and and all this stuff from the media because it's the winter meetings and the media deserves. Tough. Sucks. Sorry. Yeah, tough shovels, and, man. And, and like, by the way, please stop putting out presumptive um, reports that that aren't true, please, because because the, it's garbage. It's garbage. Yeah, it, it's one thing to speculate, but don't make it sound like um, people are telling you this when people are not telling you something. And you can kind of read through that if you, you you read some of these tweets. They're mostly tweets, but sometimes someone will write a story about it, and it's like. Were you having a conversation and you thought this would be fun to write about? So you attach some some anonymous sources to it so it sounded better. It's garbage. It's okay to speculate. Hey, what if? And that's fun. That's fun. It, you know, it's not a report. It, you're you're having fun. You're having a discussion. That's most of the fun about baseball is that you can sit and watch a game, whether it's on your couch in a bar or at the freaking game. It's the beauty of baseball. That you can sit there and have a conversation, whether it be about the game or about football or about the ballet or about a movie you saw or about how expensive the beer is, about your family, about your friends, without missing a beat of the game in front of you. That is, to me, the most beautiful thing about baseball. Yeah, or you don't have to like, have facts about everything. There was know? a national reporter that put out a, a tweet, I believe it was, that said, all big market teams are in on Yoshino. What is a big market team? How do you define that? What does that mean? Yeah, I would expect. Is that just New York and LA? Is that New York, Boston? Is that Detroit? Because those are all big. Is that Seattle? Those are all big market teams. Because that would tell me, that would tell me Houston. Houston's like the sixth biggest market or something like that. So that would tell me Houston. That would say that's, that's how I would interpret that. So if you're going to say all big market teams are in on Yoshinobu Yamamoto, are you also implying that no medium to small market teams are in right yeah so vague it's such clickbait it's just yeah yeah. it's clickbait yeah well the otani thing you know if if the the timing of this stays with again what's quote-unquote been reported that's that he wants to make a decision by the end of business on sunday which may or may not be true and may or may not happen even if it is true he gets to decide when he wants to decide in the grand scheme of things, Casey, to, to kind of finish off what we were just talking about, it will be kind of early in the process for the biggest name in free agent history to make his decision. If he makes his decision on, on December 10 or 11, that's pretty early in this process that, you know, like you don't even get through the, the weekend after the winter meetings and he's decided <laughs> like he's going to unlock a lot of things and and get a lot of those things going that these reporters and networks want. And, and major league baseball wants, but the fact that the winter meetings aren't as fun as they used to be, like, I gotta be honest with you. I don't care. I gotta be honest with you. I do not care. But before we finish up this episode, let me get your take on one thing. What if major league baseball put a deadline on some things? Okay. Uh, and, and they can get creative with it. You could just go basic deadline. Like all free agents have to sign by, January 15 or January 1 or something like that. Okay. Or if you don't, um, like the way that it hits a team's luxury tax is different. Or um, 
or the way or the things that you're eligible for as a player, like you, like you can't have a no trade clause. If you sign after January one, they can get creative with it. Maybe that one's ridiculous, but you know what I mean? You can get creative with that. If you put deadlines on things, make a roster deadline for March 1st and make a roster deadline for February 15th. You can't make trades, make a dead period for trades. Like there is recruiting in college football. Um, like there is in football where in the NFL, where like certain things can't happen between uh, the Super Bowl and when the next season year starts, like that's it, in March or something. I think it is where the, the next season, the 2024 season for the NFL will start on like March 9. And then the draft is like the first major event. Free agency starts and all that stuff. Put a freeze period out there. Make these teams and these players make decisions in a smaller period of time, you know, but the, the opportunity for major league baseball, in my opinion, the biggest opportunity for major league baseball is the first two weeks of November and the time right around the holidays that aren't on Thursday for Thanksgiving or Friday, like that Tuesday, Wednesday before the Thanksgiving, it's kind of dead for college football in the NFL. Those are opportunities. You get your little windows, but for the most part, the first couple of weeks of November and, and January, when more than like more than half the league is out because of the playoffs. So if major league baseball was smart, they put a freeze on signing and, and roster movement sometime between, Oh, I don't know, December 15 and January 15. Like you'd shrink the window in those time periods where you could put your roster together and make deals. I don't know. Something like that could help. But to be honest with you, I don't care that the winter meetings kind of suck now. I don't care. I, I don't yeah, care yeah. if we get a we get we get Jordan Montgomery signs today and then a, not another big signing for two. I don't care. That we got we have four months to go before you know when, when all this starts before spring training starts. Like we get we get February, mid-February spring training starts. The season ends at the end of October, early November. We have like four months until anything happens. We have to fill that time. So if you pack it all into like two weeks, then baseball is dead until spring training hits. And most people aren't really all that interested in spring training and stuff either. Casey, like I don't understand what people want out of major league baseball. Yeah. And, and I think like, okay, to your point, there's, there's, there are deadlines, right? Like we know them and you didn't necessarily say them, but there are 40 man roster deadlines for the, for the rule five draft and such like that. Right. There are things that, um, not force teams into necessarily big moves, but some moves essentially, right? Not that it makes it exciting by any means, but let's, it's December 7th right now. So even if we take your example, right? And we say uh, December 15th to January 1st or even January 15th. Yep. Nothing that you said really affects what teams have done up till now. And people pleading that uh, it's taking too long because Shohei yeah. Otani can he can wait until it, let's say the the deadline was December 15th. He could wait mm -hmm. till the 14th. That's a week yep. from now. He could wait till the 14th or he could wait until after the freeze is over. And then what? And then what? Yeah. And then, and then teams are waiting until January, mid January to figure out what they're going to do. Yeah. It's like, just, just let stuff trickle in. It's okay to have one, like one thing a week. It's okay. Like, man, like, Major League Baseball, like, and this is really, and Major League Baseball is not complaining about this, but it's networks, it's reporters that have complained about this. It would like, be this opportunity to, to create yeah. frenzy, and it's like, man, like, let's, you know, what would make this better, Casey. You know, what would fix this? 
getting more teams that give a damn about winning. So they're more aggressive and we'd have more deals and more money spent and more you know activity. Fix this a cap floor. Yeah. I don't want a cap in major league baseball. No, a cap floor. You a mean ca- just not a, floor. Not, a, not a cap high, a, yeah. a cap floor. Like if you force the A's, like you know, and I know they're that they're the prime example in all of this, but if you force the A's to spend 120 million dollars a year, what are the A's going to do to get to 120 million dollars by? Let's say they have to do it. Let, let's use your example. Let's say mm. they have to do it by December 15th of yeah. the right before the next year. What are the A's going to do to get to the cap floor by December 15th? Yeah. Let's say there's a, you know, a, a space, right, between the end of the off season because there has to be, right, kind of because because mm-hmm. you because you got to be able to release folks uh, or, or players and, and then um replace them essentially just in cap. I think uh, the deadline say, by the way for something like that just needs to be like opening day or something like that. Like I don't yeah, know and, that you and, could put and that it could be opening day. December. Yeah. But even creating that would would create action, right? It It would. Absolutely. Absolutely. Incentivize these teams to be more active. Um, And and, and I think the stuff they did with the draft was one small step in that direction. You can't just be 60 and 102 on a regular basis and get the number one pick all the time. It's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen anymore. And I like that. Um, But you look at the A's right now, and I think they have around like $35 million committed, you know, at this point. Now that'll go up. It won't be, but, but to their projected 26 man rosters, like 35, 36 million, the Orioles uh, with Kimbrel, it's going to be like 45 million. Uh, the pirates are under 60 million. I think um, the reds are under 60 million. I think until some of their free agent signings become, but there are several teams right now, half the league here we are in, in early December, the first week of December, half the league doesn't even have a hundred million dollars committed to payroll for 2024. I mean, come on, man. Like you got to get these ownerships to, to, to be competitive and rewarding being competitive, find more ways to incentivize winning. And, and that's the why draft, I say, the draft isn't going to motivate the owners. You got to find that's why I say way. rather than catering to media and setting some dates where between them that de- uh, transactions need to happen make an incentive for front offices and ownership to, uh, to, to add to their roster, right? Yeah. Like you, well, winning you should be the goal, right? Winning should be the goal. Yeah. So there should be things tied to not just payroll. And, and you're talking about having a floor, like you can't spend less than a hundred million dollars or whatever that number is, but how about winning? Like incentivize winning. If you are a revenue, rec- revenue sharing, receiving club, for example, if you are the, Miami Marlins or the Milwaukee Brewers or the Pittsburgh Pirates, and you win more than X number of games, maybe you get a little bump in the revenue there. So you can keep doing that. So there's an incentive like, or, or maybe you get some taken away from you. Your, your share goes down. If you, if you don't win more games than you lose or something along those lines, because too many teams are consistently this 74 to 84 win range and you get a team like the Pirates who like everything has to line up for the Pirates and the Reds to do anything meaningful at all. Like this whole like the drooling over what the Reds did this past year just absolutely baffles me. It baffles me. They, they finished the year 82 and 80. Who freaking cares? 
Are you excited about the future? Great. Let's not drool over what they did in 2023. There was nothing at all special about essentially being a 500 team. But if that ownership wasn't going to get all of its revenue sharing money, if it didn't win 85 games, for example, they probably make more moves during the season to get a little better, right? Three more wins gets them 10 more million dollars of revenue sharing or something. They're going to be motivated to be better. What does that and do? And actually for they the Pirates, I think three more it? wins might have gotten them into the playoffs. I'd right. Like. Yeah. And, and we just get we just get stuck into this same you know thing every year where for the most part the same teams are the favorites like the whole entire you know American League East is competitive right now you know and we expect Boston to be competitive and figure it out the Yankees were competitive until the end and fell apart but the top three teams all won eighty nine more games or more the AL Central sucks the NL Central essentially sucks you know it's like what's happening in Oakland right now is a complete joke. But that team should have to spend a certain amount of money, should have to win a certain amount of games, or you don't get the benefits of being a small market team. That's probably the biggest driver for me. That's yeah, probably the, biggest, the best way to do it. The biggest driver there is, oh, if you don't, if you finish in the bottom, what I think six of the draft, three years in a row, two years in a row, three years in a row. Two years in a row. You can you can only uh you can only do it two years in a row if you're a revenue sharing receiving team. You can only do it one year in a row if you are a, a team that pays into that. So if you're the Yankees or the Mets, you can only be up there once. If you're the A's, you can do it twice, but not three times. So the A's, they, they, like they were the total, they, they were one of the bigger losers in the draft lottery this year because they didn't get the number one pick, they didn't get the number two pick, they didn't get the number three pick, and now they can't be in the 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 top six, you know, next they can't be in the top nine next year in, in 2025 when the draft is significantly better. So like, I don't want to say they got screwed, but because I well, certainly like how much of a, age, how much of an impact is the potential of uh, not being a top six, six and maybe you're the seven pick, right? Like next year, let's say, right. How much I think of an impact an owner, does that have on, on the decision to spend or not? It's not Probably huge. Zero. It's not zero. huge. It, it's this little thing because that's the way owners, like some owners are like, all right, we need to be interesting. Like they, they draw the, and it's different in every city. The market's different. If we're interesting and two out of three years were competitive, I'm going to make money on my team because I'm going to get revenue sharing and I'm going to make, I only need, they know where to draw that line. They know where the threshold is. They know, Hey, to get, uh, to, to, to make X amount of dollars, I need to draw this attendance and to draw this attendance. I'd probably need to be, I probably need to be a, at least a 75 80 win team or something along those lines. and they'll make those correlate they'll draw those correlations and do those the, those equations with their front office and make their payroll decisions based on that so the draft does matter because the, the front office is going to say well if you want to we're the a's if you want to win 75 games we need to pick in the top five so we can get young guys and have a bunch of cheap young guys at the big league level because player development and scouting is the way we're going to do that because you don't want to spend money on free agents so it, it it's not nothing but man, you, you have to incentivize actual winning. And I don't know where you draw that line. Maybe there's some sort of formula about like the average wild card team won 87 games last year. Maybe that's the line the team needs to get to to get full revenue sharing or something along those lines. I don't know, but there has to be something else. And and because that would be aggressive. That to me, that would make me feel better about what's going on in Miami, about what's going on in 10. Can you imagine? Like, you know, we're in, we're, we're, I'm in the Seattle area. You and I both cover kind of on the side, the merit, this Mariners ball club, right? 
How many times have you thought to yourself or heard someone say, or said yourself or had a conversation with someone, boy, and before this winter, even boy, if, if Jerry DePoto had a $200 million payroll, holy moly, what would that marriage roster look like? Cause it's a decent roster with them spending under $150 million each of the last four years. So like, what if he had an extra $50 million to go throw it a free agent or make a trade for a guy making money? What if the Rays spent $130 million in payroll? Would they be the best team of all time? Cause it certainly seems like they might be, you know, I mean, this is a team right now that has like $40 million committed to their entire roster. You know, once but you also, take would, it, would it throw them off of their program too, right? Like the, the Rays have been so committed to this program of not spending, developing, uh, trading away high dollar players that if you just suddenly said, like if 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 Jason Churchill suddenly said, I have $40 million and I'm going to give it to the Rays this year, right now, but they can only spend it for 2024, does that throw them off their game? Or maybe 2024 no. and 2025? Does even that throw them was, off their game? Even if it was normal, even if I'm the owner, who's the owner there? Sternberg? If I'm St- Stuart Sternberg and I go to you know, my my front office and I say, hey, uh, Eric Neander, who's the uh, the president of baseball operations, and uh, and that, those baseball uh, – and, and and who's the uh, – and, and, and Bobby Heck is the top scout there and and the assistants and and I think uh, Will Cousin, uh, Will Cousins and, and – and uh, Carlos Rodriguez and those guys that are running that team over there. And I say, here's an extra $40 million a year for the foreseeable future. I don't think the development thing changes. I think their player acquisition just gets like, now they handle the draft a little differently. They can go after, they can take a chance on a player that's going to cost them more money. They can sign a key free agent. They don't have to trade Tyler Glass now this winter. They don't have to trade Brandon Lau. You know, they can, they can be more competitive at the major league level for trades and free agents instead of, instead of always having to be creative and always having to build from within, I think it just makes them significantly better. I really do. I, because the stuff that happens in terms of like how you scout and how you develop players, there's no reason that would change. You know, you know what else that would have an impact on having more money to play with? You'd keep your scouts and your player development people longer. Cause a lot of times what happens in Tampa is a guy from Tampa goes to the Dodgers or the Giants or the Marlins to be their GM or something. You'd be able to keep your guys around a little bit longer and, and have more continuity. I just think that would there's and and I think that would help a lot of teams. I'm all for some sort of a, a floor for uh for that, but I think there should be some penalties if you don't win certain amounts of games, you know, and and, turn, and it should be dollars. That's the only thing that's getting owners to wake up is hey, you want this hundred million dollars from revenue sharing? You have to win. X number of games and maybe it should go year to year because things happen. Maybe the efforts were put out there, but maybe the first year you don't win 85 games. You only get 90% of your revenue share. If you go two years in a row, maybe 80% and then maybe it bottoms out at like 50% or something kind of like the luxury tax goes in the other direction. Um, We reward teams for mediocrity, major league baseball. There's no reason for the owners in Pittsburgh. Just for example, to spend a bunch of money to try to win. If they're just business people and they really don't care about the community that much and they really don't care about winning that much, they don't care about the World Series, they're not really baseball fans, it's just it's just kind of a business venture. There's no incentive for them to go spend a money and rip because it's a risk. Casey, they'd be risking money that they don't know they're going to get back in on an investment. And there's a good chance they don't. Winning the World Series doesn't make your team a crap load of money. I think that's a misnomer. All the money, all the shares, when we hear, oh, the Texas Rangers are getting, you know, those are the players. 
the owner doesn't get like a $50 million bonus for winning the world series. Everything that that, that organization will make revenue wise that we'll, we'll talk about the Rangers since they just won it from making that run is in attendance merchandise from the world series on that's it. They don't get like this bonus from the league or more of the network share when, when the national uh, deals are made with ESPN and Fox and all that, they don't get any more of that. It's just, how can you take advantage of being the world series winner now or being the, you know, national league East champion or whatever it is. And owners will look at having players like Ronald Acuna jr. And Julio Rodriguez and Gunnar Henderson and Mookie Betts and players like that as as big a draw to the to attendance and to merchandise sales as actual winning. And they're not wrong. Major League Baseball has to incentivize winning, or we're always going to have these conversations about the bottom half of the league spending so little because they don't have to. It, the, I don't know when the Pittsburgh Pirates were, were bought and sold last, but I just did some research on the Mariners. Again, the team that we cover on a regular basis. And I know we're going long here, but this is fun stuff to talk about. The Seattle Mariners were sold for $1.2 billion. They were valued at $1.4. They were sold at $1.2. The group that bought them bought 90% of that. Okay. 90% of that. The, the, the Nintendo, uh, Nintendo of America who owned the Seattle Mariners before the current group bought them, led by John Stanton. They kept 10%. So it cost the ownership of the Mariners, the current ownership of the Mariners, a little over a billion dollars to buy the Mariners. You know how much they're worth now? $2.4 billion seven years later. So, and, and you might say, well, they don't get any of that unless they sell or at least sell their shares, their stake. True, but do you know what kind of equity you can get? Personally, individually, if you're John Stanton or you're Chris Larson or you're, you know, Carl or any of these guys, you know what kind of equity? Well, I own, you know, 7% of the Seattle Mayors. There were $2.4 billion. You know what you can do with that? You know, if when you have money and you have stock and you have things with tons of value, you can do anything. And when these people sell, you always, it's better than real estate. Major league baseball teams are cash cows. They are ATM machines. You will never lose money on it. It's never happened in the history of baseball and it never will. And, and these, these, these business people that take over and here, here I'm going on this tangent, Casey, the last thing I'm going to spit out here to you before we get going here, owners in major league baseball are not necessary. And it pisses me off that we still have them to be honest with you. And I know it's unrealistic as hell to, to, to covet not having owners in major league baseball, but they're not necessary. All they do is scrape off the top. We don't need them. Yeah. I'm shrugging right now. I'm shrugging. I, I want to get one more thing out of you because it was the one more thing. Let's call it, let's do 10 minutes. We're at an hour and 22 minutes now, by okay. the way. For we'll go to nine. We'll want, go to 90 then. Okay. I, I want, I want 10 minutes of this. Okay. Are you surprised that yes. Eduardo Rodriguez signed with the Arizona Diamondbacks at the contract that he signed with? Not at the contract that he signed with. I mean, I am surprised that he went west essentially because the word was he didn't really want to come come west because, you know, his family was was east, you know, and that's why he turned out the Dodgers and that's why he went from Boston to Detroit and free agency instead of Boston to the Dodgers or Boston to the Giants or whatever it was. So to the Diamondbacks, yes, the number no. I think that was basically the market for him. 
Makes sense. Yeah, no, it makes sense to me. And and I think they might have been high dollar, to be honest, because I don't Could've see been. who. Well, Sonny Gray East. got three and 75, and he's going to be 35 years old. But I don't see who on the East was going to offer him that, right? Like may, maybe the Yankees. Okay. Boston? Maybe Boston. Boston, Boston maybe. needs pitching, man, and they know Eduardo Rodriguez. Maybe, but, Bal- but the. But Baltimore, the, but, they know Eduardo Rodriguez too. But reports are saying that Boston wants to wait on Yoshinobu. So maybe. Sure, maybe but not. shouldn't you do both if you're Boston? Shouldn't you do both? They, you they should. Don't just, they don't need just one guy. They could use a middle guy, Eduardo Rodriguez type, and they could use a guy at the top to go with whatever Chris Sale ends up you know, being. He might be a shell of himself. He might return to form to some extent. It should have been both. Yeah, that, that's a good thing. I don't know. Were the Mets interested? Were the Yankees interested? Were the Phillies? Probably not. The Phillies probably not interested. He probably didn't want to go to Pittsburgh because they don't really have a great chance to win. So I don't know. Maybe he likes the idea of Arizona and figured if he was going to move, his family, it was going to be in the off season, like you mentioned earlier, instead of during the season. But what's weird is the school year is right now. So if this was about his family and about his kids, it doesn't make any more sense now than it did over the summer. So I'm not sure what changed, but you might be right. It might have been high dollar. And it might have been high dollar and, and, and about Rodriguez not wanting to sit around and wait and take a risk that he wouldn't have as many choices or that he might not get four years and might not get the, the vesting option sort of thing. He might've just taken the best offer that was on the table by a certain date range and, and end up being Arizona. And, and he joins a rotation that Pretty that good. is good now, probably yeah. right? you, you get Zach Galen, you get Merrill Kelly, you get now Eduardo Rodriguez and then uh, a, a rising Brandon fat who uh-huh. had a, fantastic postseason and then you leave that five spot to probably a competition i know that spring training you say churchill uh, doesn't determine uh, doesn't. probably roster spots but you leave a, a five spot that is open to probably two or three players mm-hmm. and and depending on or a cheap uh, veteran that they grab yeah yeah or or a cheap mm-hmm. veteran so and, and i'm looking at that diamondbacks rotation and thinking hmm it's pretty I, good there's there's some depth there though like i don't look at zach gallon and go hmm like Garrett Cole. He's not Garrett Cole, right? Right. He's he's not. I don't look at Merrill Kelly and say, mm, like he's one of the better number twos in Bay. I don't. I essentially think they have a really good two, a good three, and now another good three. That's how I that's right. And that's okay. That's okay. It's very similar to uh what Seattle has. I don't think they have a true one. I don't think Castillo, Gilbert, or Kirby are a true number one, at least not yet. And it's very similar to what Gallon and, and Kelly and Rodriguez. Um, when you have that kind of depth, you're going to win a lot of games when those three guys are at the top of your uh, rotation. So we'll see what else Arizona does. If you're, super- NL, if you're in the NL West and you have to face the Dodgers and the Padres, I know they got the Rockies and the Giants, yeah. but if you're going to yeah. face the Dodgers and the Padres all year long, right, uh, you're pitching, it's going to have to be up to par, right? So, yeah. Yeah. All right, before we get out of here, one thing, just for fun just for fun ignore the potential for opt-outs give me the guaranteed dollar number ignoring the opt-outs the guaranteed dollar number closest to the pin we're gonna play a little game closest to the pin for shohei otani not the team the dollar number don't care where he goes and for yamamoto start with otani give me a dollar number Otani, I'm going to go $530 million guaranteed. Okay. Um, Yamamoto, I'm going to go $255 million guaranteed. Okay. And 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 not that doesn't include the posting fee. It's like just the contract. No posting fee, no okay. opt-outs, just 
Okay. Years guaranteed. Yep. Period. Okay. I'm going to go guaranteed dollars. I'm going to go 565 for Otani. I'm writing this down. Play a little game. And for Yamamoto, I'm going to say 262 for Yamamoto. Guaranteed dollars only. I think there would be more dollars attached in in some options maybe for both guys, but that's kind of what I see. I went a little over where you went on both of those, but closest I to the know, I just want to know what I win because because uh, I'm going to win both of those. So okay, I, what I do you want? To know what I win? Okay, what do you want? What do you think is fair? We we can do this. Do you want? Do you want? Do you want to? Do you want to do this? By the way, so I'm not a trash talker. Okay, but Casey's a duck. I'm a dog. The dogs. I somehow found a way to win two games against the Ducks because it's a very good Oregon team. I'm not a trash talker. I think trash talking is stupid. I think it's immature and stupid. We'll not do it. But somehow they found a way to win two three-point games. The thing I hate about those two games, we don't know what to call that game. Like there's the Civil War and the Iron Bowl and, and the Apple Cup. We need a name for the Oregon-Washington, you know, first of all. But how about we do something that the the that the Apple Cup people do in the Civil War, like the governor or the mayor and the, you know, like, you know how they do that sort of thing? Like maybe we should do that because you're down in Oregon. I'm in Washington State. I'm in the Seattle area. Maybe we do some sort of bet like that. Maybe there's something that's, that's kind of known up here in Washington. Or maybe you just want booze. I don't know. Yeah, no, I like that. You know, we, we've been talking about, and maybe this is a, is a tiny bit of a preview to to upcoming stuff. But we've been talking about doing uh, this show yep. with some with some video features involved. Right. Yep. Yeah. So maybe in the future, um, if 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 we whoever's not closest to the pin, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they need a hat, and okay. maybe they need. So- so here's the thing. Is, is, is the so this has to be so this has to be baseball related, not football related, not college okay. related. This has to be baseball Fair. related. Fair. And I will I will never wear an Oregon Ducks anything ever. That is not I don't care. You could tell me church, I'm going to give you my salary for the rest of my life. I'm going to be like I'm not wearing a hat for one second. Not doing it, man. Not doing it. Absolutely not doing it. Nope. Don't need I don't need your salary. I pretty much have $10, so I'm good. That's all I need. <laughs> I was just going to say, well, you pay me my salary, that's so that's <laughs> easier for you to take. <laughs> but I, but I like, you know, it's like, I don't know. I, I'm not doing that, but maybe, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe if, if you win, I buy you your favorite player Jersey or something. And, it, and if be, I win, or you buy yourself done. your favorite player Jersey. That could be. That could be. I I I don't I don't hate. Okay, that. here here it is. But okay. but there's another person that is on this show. And yeah, and, uh, he, and no, we fired. No, he was fired. He, he might be Joe coming. Doyle, back. Joe Doyle's fired. We will and, hire him back. And Joe he's Doyle is, right he, he's, he's a cougar. He's, he's our enemy. Yeah, he's a coog. We have a this weird triangle going on this show. Northwest yeah. Triangle. Uh, all we need now is somebody from Oregon State, right? <laughs> <laughs> that'll be our next hire on this show. Somebody that's a beeve, you know, like that, that'll be it. Um, no, they're irrational. We don't want that. Oh, oh Oregon state is irrational. <laughs> As if Huskies fans and ducks fans are, they not think right. urban Meyer is coming to Oregon state. So we, we oh, oh yeah. Oh geez. Yeah. Oscar Meyer might come to Oregon state. Urban Meyer is not, I, I have it. So you can pick what you want, but like, maybe it's like a Jersey of your favorite player. And I buy you that. Um, if I win, if I win, 
maybe you have to sing a song on the air. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. No, no, no. No, this is good. This is good. Okay. I like this. I like okay. this. I like and this. I pick if the I song. If I have to sing a song, though, but I want to get to pick your punishment. If I have to sing a song, Churchill has to do play-by-play on the Rangers last out of the 2023 World Series. And I can do it any way I want. And you can do it any way you want. Oh, this is going to be beautiful. This is going to be the funniest 60 seconds you have ever heard in your entire life. All right. Golden. Yeah. We have a it'll deal. be it'll be Bob Maneri style if you know who he is. We have a deal. You have to you have to specify the song though. I don't want to have to choose the song if I lose. You have to specify. I will choose the song. Yeah. Okay. All right. We may know Sunday. So next time, you know, we'll hire Joe back on Wednesday so we can come back and we can tell Joe about this. Uh Joe, if you're listening, pitch me. Why should we hire you back? I need a <laughs> I need a pitch. By the way, I didn't tell Joe that he was fired. So as he listens to these 93 minutes, he's going to be like, holy crap, I got fired. <laughs> Joe didn't get fired. We're having a little fun with Joe, um, as we always do when he's not with us, as you guys do when I'm not with you, when it's just the two of you doing the show. But uh, Casey, uh, fun talking I'm baseball. Always always, yeah, I'm Casey's always all, Casey is always around. I'm the I'm the one with the the stupid schedule and the, uh, the inconsistencies. And, you know, Joe is a little bit too. So uh, uh, Casey holding up the fort. Um, you're like the four walls of this podcast. You're like the we four walls. That. That's fine. Yeah, we can call it that. Yeah. By the way, we still need a name for this damn show. Yeah, I think we need some suggestions. I do. We do need suggestions, but we need we definitely need FSS Plus is just like that was a placeholder. We need some like we want it to be short and clever. We you know it has to be PG, PG thirteen maybe. Definitely not rated R. Uh, it can't be used in any form or fashion. It can't be like extra innings or, you know, anything like that. Anything that's used in any form, whether it's a show, a podcast, a segment, a column, we don't want to repeat anything. Yeah, a dash um, of originality. We do. We need. We yeah, need a that. little bit of. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I'll tell you what. If we'll we'll give out a prize to somebody who suggests the name that we pick, it's got to be some good. I will. I don't know. I don't know whether people do people still like gift cards, by the way, Christmas is coming like Amazon gift cards. Like what? I don't know. Like uh, we can send them some uh, future star series stuff for sure. Hats, shirts, stuff like that. We can put, put together a package, but wait, that exists because I don't have any future. Those exist. And the reason you don't have any is because I forgot to get you that. So that's, (laughs) that's on. I don't even think I got Joe any at this point. And he's been around six or seven months or eight months. So, um, so yeah, so we'll get you something. I'll tell you what, we'll get you something. Uh, we'll let the person pick. We'll we'll give them a hundred dollars worth of value. They can choose a hundred dollar gift card from wherever they want, or they can choose a combination of gift card and goods if they want, and it, and it equals about a hundred. We'll let them pick what it is. So for basically a hundred dollars in goods, suggest. I don't care if you suggest thirty different names, and that's how I pick yours. We need something different than FSS plus. Uh, I don't want to call it the Casey balance show. I don't want to call it the Joe Doyle show. I don't want to call it the Jason Churchill show. I don't want to call it Joe Casey and, and Jason or anything like that. Uh, I want it to be termy. So to, so to speak. And yeah, I, not threw out about, I threw out about, I don't know. What, what would you say church? I threw out about 30 names mm-hmm. and, and I was struck down by all. Yeah, like, like there was, there was some in there that like you could, we could play with them and, <laughs> 
you know, you're like, have to think if, if you're listening, you have to think, because if you send these into church, he might just fire back and, and tell you, or he might not respond at all, but I he probably might just won't fire back. respond because the last time I did this and I responded, we had like 27 people and I'm sending like, like 27 emails out. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> and then I picked none of them and nobody won. Because they were all bad, I thought. I don't know. We Maybe have we to do, do that. So, to a closest so that's, two. Kind of that's our goal. Like, yeah, even if we use like, like if you send out like a two-word suggestion, and we run with the main word, like you're gonna win. Okay, we're not. We're not. Try, I'm not trying to not give you your prize. I'm, I want to give you the prize. And if two people do it, I'll give both people the prize. It's fine. We'll do it. Future Star Series is just rolling in dough. Casey knows that better than anybody. There's just money hanging around, and I'll just grab some out of the couch, and we'll throw it at you. It's the way it works here. Thank you, Future Star Series. All right. Case, we'll talk uh, We'll talk next week. Uh, we will probably have an Otani decision and maybe a Yamamoto decision to talk about then. And we'll go over our little wager here, and we'll let Joe Doyle in on this a little bit um, so he can have a little fun with it. But uh, – Hey, it was a good, uh, you know, 95 minutes with you. Appreciate it. Lots of fun as always. Got a parting shot. Do you want to, you just, it, like right now, Casey's just staring at me like, yep, yep. but he didn't say anything. Well, I was waiting for you to come up with something clever for the end here. Uh, oh, a parting shot. A parting shot. Mm-hmm. Did, by the way, did you shot. hear Joe's parting shot last week? You're going to have to remind me because I didn't, oh. honestly, you know what, Jason? I didn't listen to it. I yeah. didn't listen to the whole show. It so was the one that you weren't on. I know that, that should have been the title of it, by the way. I the knew one, that the it was going to be, I knew that it was going to be really bad because I wasn't uh, there. So okay. fair. Fair. I, I just, I didn't, I shocked it, but, but go ahead and let me know. What so, was Joe's, so parting, Joe's shot? parting shot was that he didn't like my take on the Washington state and Oregon state football programs, uh, athletic programs being basically left out in the cold with the whole, cause I don't care. Like, do I care about people losing their jobs? Yes. Does it suck that fans and alumni of those schools are, are losing something? Yes. But I still don't give a damn about those football programs. They screwed it up. They could have put themselves in better position than they did. And Joe didn't like that. So that was his parting shot. So you know what, we've be been made. talking, we've been talking baseball for an hour and 37 minutes. So here's right. my parting shot. Okay. Um, and I'm a duck fan. I know that we've told the crowd this repeatedly, but but here's my here's my parting shot. Also a Steelers fan. Also oh, a Steelers fan. Yeah, my the Steelers aren't all that bad. They suck, so it's fine. Uh, my parting shot is that I have to admit, in 2023, despite being a Duck fan, mm. that the Washington Huskies were the better football team. That's my parting shot. <sighs> I guess you're right. And I'm a dog fan. I didn't go to the school, but I've been a huge dog fan since I was like four years old. So I, I was convinced that Oregon was winning by 17 in that game. It's just, you know, they, what do they say? Football's a game of matchups. It's just, it's just a matchup that favors you. But they did not play well the five or six weeks, you know, between Oregon games. So, and I was well, confident that, going in, uh, to be honest, I was confident yeah. going into the Pac-12 champion as a duck fan, because I watched the ducks obliterate teams all the way leading up yep. to that game. Yep. And, and I and watched some of the same teams struggle. and some of the same teams were watched and won by like seven or 10. Exactly. Yep. Totally with you there. Uh, my parting shot is um, Casey, you're fired. Um, you and Joe can, uh, can just, <laughs> you know, I didn't see, really like this job much anyway. I, I know. And it's easy to see why you got to deal with me every day. Casey deals with me literally every day. And it's um, actually, it's probably pretty fun, isn't it? It's not bad. 
it's not bad. It's not bad. <laughs> it's not bad. I, I'll tell you what. You know, when when I'm firing uh, social media graphics at, at Jason about three seconds per minute, just fire, fire, fire. And he's like, yep. no, I don't like this. Yes, I like this. No, I don't like this. It can be fun. That can be fun. Yeah. Not going to lie. Yeah. Yeah. Doing a good job, too. I will say that. That's my parting shot. I'm not you're, making uh, one for this episode though. So. You're 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 holding up your end of the bargain. If we could say that about everybody, I'd be jacked, but you're holding up your end of the bargain and I thank you for it. All right. We will talk next week. We'll talk more Otani, Yamamoto. We'll probably dig into some early conversation. We'll have some some early conversation with Joe Doyle about his top 30 and his top 100. He's got team by team top 30s coming up later this winter and he's in the early stages of those so we'll uh, we'll pick his brain on that we'll talk him we'll be draft lottery a little bit with joe next week as well and the implications of that but in the meantime head to futurestarseries.com catch the analysis from joe doyle from casey bellin and a little bit from me and catch up on what's going on and uh, the impact of everything including the edwater rodriguez deal the juan soto trade the blake uh, the blake snell markets and all that good stuff futurestarseries.com we will talk next week this has been the fss plus podcast so just chill to the next episode